So 2016 till 2020, okay. March 2020, we were um, running so fast that we couldn't keep up. And then COVID. And then COVID. We experienced a 92% drop in bookings and we had thousands of postponements and cancellations. And mind you, we take deposits. We gave all those deposits back. Since age eight, being on the stage was always the plan for Janessa White. And that plan seemed to be right on track when she started her own theater group out of college, Homegrown Theater. Hear how she went from performing on stage to a different kind of stage. CEO of Destination Wedding Company, Simply Eloped. The Founders Podcast. Listen to the stories of how everyday extraordinary people start amazing businesses. Hear how they overcome the odds and find success in the entrepreneurial world. The up and down, the good and the bad, and everything in between. And now, your hosts, Jordan Hansen and Brandon Minard. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the Founders Pod. I'm Jordan Hansen. I'm here with my co-host, Brandon Minard. Hello, Brandon. Good morning. We here have here with us in the United Commercial Insurance Studio. Uh, I can't say all of that. We have Janessa White. Hello, Janessa. Howdy. Thanks for having me. Janessa, it's really glad. I'm really glad to have you here. Um, it's it, We just met, like, what, seven days ago? Mm-hmm. Over Twitter. I Over saw Twitter. someone mention her, or uh, I can't remember exactly the interaction, but someone... Um, I, I stumbled upon her on Twitter, and she said, oh, I saw that she was in Boise. And so I reached out. She immediately came back and said, yeah, I'd love to be on the pod. So we're really excited to have you uh, and learn more about your business. It's called Simply Eloped. That's correct. And it's at simplyeloped.com. Now, Janessa, always when we are interviewing someone, we want to learn more about that business. And so our mothers listen to this podcast. Um, okay, good to know. And I say that because sometimes we interview people that maybe have more technical businesses. And so for our mothers, could ah. you explain what it is Simply Eloped does. Absolutely. So as indicated by our name, we do elopements. Uh, We do small weddings. We consider an elopement 20 guests or less, and we coordinate everything top to bottom. So you come to us and we help you choose your destination, uh, your date, your package, uh, your venue, and then we essentially do everything for you. Uh, We coordinate uh, the services, the permits, the the venue fee. Uh, we teach you how to get your marriage license in the destination, um, and we essentially coordinate the whole thing. So all you have to do is get your license and show up and have a lovely, high quality, personalized ceremony. Perfect. So so if I was reaching out to you, would I expect? And I said, okay, my fiance, she really wants to get married in Florida, and we're in Boise, Idaho. You would say, okay, we we can which part of Florida or this, these are some places we've done in the past. And then would we expect you to be with us there as well? Or what typically happens in? It's a great question. So we're set up in 31 destinations around the U.S. So we're kind of like boutique. Oh, uh, gotcha. And we have set teams in each destination. Um, So if you were to come to us and say, for instance, I want to get married in Minnesota. Well, we're not set up in Minnesota. We do have traveling teams that we can see if they're interested in traveling there, but 
alas, if we don't have a team that's interested, we will not be able to service you. Oh, gotcha. Um, in Florida, however, we're set up all over Florida. <laughs> so we would have, um, you know, destinations and venues of all different types and sizes, and we would help you choose based on your date and the package that and, you're choosing. And you have a team that would be in Florida, exactly. so you wouldn't necessarily go to each one. No. So I have okay. over 600 vendors oh, gotcha. as part of the Simply Lope network. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a pretty good service offering. Not too shabby. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, well, so why don't we get started? Are you initially from Idaho or yeah, where are you really? Yeah, I was really? born and raised in Boise. Boise, Idaho. Yeah. Okay. And then your family's from Idaho, long history of being in Idaho? Yeah, I think my dad was born in Idaho Falls, gotcha. um, and I'm not sure where they traveled from. So, yeah, gotcha. I've got some and legacy here. Do you have a big family, or tell us a little bit more about your growing up? Um, I have a medium-sized family. I mean, I do have a lot of cousins and aunts that live in, or aunts and uncles that live in Idaho. Um, my immediate family, dad, mom, brother, all live in Idaho. So, yeah, I've got a good little community here. Awesome. What did your parents do growing up? Uh, it very much goes into my story. So my father majored in classical guitar and was a music teacher and very involved in theater in the community. And then my mom was an event coordinator. Oh. Mm-hmm. So a lot about me right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So events like concerts or events like weddings or what she's type of? She's done all of it. She's done really? weddings. She uh, worked at the Idaho Botanical Garden. She's now at the city of Meridian as their event um, coordinator. So yeah, she's done it all. So growing up, did you go to all the different events that she was helping coordinate? I was always you? her right-hand woman, <laughs> so I didn't just attend. I was helping her put them on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you like that? Was it enjoyable? I loved it. Really? Um, I've always been a hard worker, and doing it alongside your, my mom, who's now my best friend, um, was just a delight. So. I like how you said, who's now my best friend. <laughs> oh. Not always. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> yeah. I was a very traditional teenager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So was it like a family business where you, where you all, were all expected to jump in and help out or was that just something you were interested in no it was just uh all hands on deck you know mom just needed help and uh i happened to be a good worker a worker bee and so she just always kind of looped me in wherever she went so and i don't understand exactly what your dad was doing so he just was he in an, a guitar instruction or did he or what did it he does private lessons for guitar but he taught elementary school music um and truthfully i mean he hasn't really worked a job in like 20, 25 years. So oh, gotcha. um, that's probably why you're confused because yeah. <laughs> he's just an arts. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, set up that scene for me when you were growing up. I mean, there's such a wide array of experience that you had at different areas. Yeah. Did you have an idea or were you just a typical teenager going to school, being with friends? I yeah. mean, did you have an idea of what you wanted? I did. So eight years old, um, at Boise State University, which is where my mom was working as the event coordinator at the time, um, I got called up on stage as a volunteer for a magician, um, knees buckling, you know, sweating as an eight-year-old, and and learned that I love the stage at that age. So I thought I would be um, a theater artist for my entire life. Um, so I did um, community programs in theater here in Boise, which, as you can imagine, back in my day, there weren't many. Um, and then I did, um, a lot of theater in high school, went to Boise State University, got my degree in Bachelor of Theater Arts, and then actually started a theater company here in Boise that is still going that I don't run called Homegrown Theater. I think it's like eight years old or something crazy. Maybe older. It's gotta be older than that. 10 years old. Anyway, so I ran it for the first four years of its life. So theater was always a big part of your... It was my thing. Mm -hmm. Um... 
And then did your parents, did they direct you in any one way or another saying, hey, I think you should do this or I think you should Mm -hmm. go on to Hollywood or go to Broadway or do acting or? I've always had parents that were like, YOLO, do whatever you want. Um, (laughs) You know, so they never pushed me. Well, I would say the only time they pushed me is I really out, out of 18, like jumping out of the house I wanted to just move to Hawaii and my mom was like well you should probably do college <laughs> I mean it wasn't the best decision because I was just partying in Hawaii yeah. with school on the side Wait, so you but were in Hawaii so you did it yeah 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 I, I did see. do it so that's the only thing I think my parents have ever really pushed me to like oh, you should probably gotcha. do college and not just move there so so you moved that. there with well we should get there in a second so <laughs> anyway you said you had siblings I, yeah I've got a little brother a little brother but yep. it was, was he also doing event coordinator? Was he going to these events no, with your mom? My brother's the exact opposite of me. Um, very low ambition in life. He, he self-proclaimed that, so he won't be offended at hearing me say this. Um, he just, like, really enjoys the simple pleasures of life. So I am, we're opposite personalities. Did you get along? I love my brother up and down. Absolutely. Even when we were children? Like, Not a chance. Okay. <laughs> how much age difference? Just two years. Just two years. Yeah. So growing up together, now... When were you going to high school? Can I ask high school graduation? Yeah, I graduated 2003. 2003. Okay, so that that puts a good frame for us because we graduated in 02. There you go. So about the same time. There you um, go. So growing up, a lot of your childhood, what did you do for fun? I was a very active child. So I was um, selling suckers to build a clubhouse and, um, you know, fundraising for a trampoline, um, putting on plays with my neighborhood girls, street hockey. I was, I was very active. So... That sounds like entrepreneurship. It sure does. Did you feel like you were entrepreneurial then? Zero. You're just like, Zero. I'm just doing stuff. I'm How, just this doing is me. Yeah. Now, why would you sell like money? Did you care about money? No. Um, it was great uh, strategy on part of my parents that they're like, you want a clubhouse? Well, this is how you do it. And so they just instilled in me good, I guess, work, work ethic. So it was like using what you wanted as like a tool to help you, okay, learn. You're going to have to go out there and earn the money then. Exactly. And so you were like, well, I don't really care about the money, but I care about this thing. Exactly. And so I need to figure out a way to make money. And that's how. hundred percent. I see. Yep. Did you have any other jobs growing up? Like in high school, did you? Oh yeah. So I counted once. So I started Simply Eloped when I was 29, 30 ish. Yeah. 30. And before 30, so zero, you know, zero to 29, whatever. I had 36 jobs. So you do oh the math gosh. on that. <laughs> a lot of jobs. Okay. What was in high school? What was your favorite job and what was your worst? Um, I don't know how long the both of you have lived in Idaho, but Always. there was this place called Galaxy Diner that was downtown. Um, it was right by the flicks and it was like a 1950s diner and I was their fountaineer. And I had the most fun at that job. I was so sad they closed it down. Fountaineer. Yeah, Fountaineer. that sounds like, is that soda? Then? Is yeah, well, you make all the desserts, like the banana uh, splits and the milkshakes uh, and stuff like that. I had, it was my first like serving job and I had so much fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you have any jobs where you said, I'm, I'm never, I will never do that ever most again? Most of them. <laughs> I was, you know, th- there's that statement, like entrepreneurs make the worst employees. I was a hard worker, but I... Got bored really easy. I constantly felt underappreciated, undervalued. Um, I just hated the structures put on me. Like, I really struggled. Office life, I struggled with. Yeah, I, I was on the struggle bus. That's why I had so many jobs. 36. I'm doing That's the math a here. a lot. You said, when did you start Simply Loped? You said two. 
2016. So that's so from 2003 to 2016. Well, before that, I would count the jobs I worked for my mom, which I started, you know, 13, 14. Right. Okay, that means like 97 ish. Yeah. It's a lot of jobs. 20 years, 36. That's more than, that's a job and a half a a year. That's pretty bad. (laughs) Now, I mean, you look at that on a resume and it doesn't look great. Looks Um, terrible. Looks terrible. Did you feel like you were not? I mean, because I could see myself defining, like, oh, I'm pretty bad. I must not be good at anything if I'm... No. Nope. Nope, so I never you had didn't, that. You weren't even worried. You were just like, yeah, this isn't for me. That doesn't mean I'm not good. I mean, part of it was I worked a lot of serving jobs. Um, yeah. You know, Boise's grown a lot since, um, but I would say I worked, like, almost every restaurant in Boise before. Um, and that was pretty normal to jump around. So I think it was just kind of accepted that, you know, you just jumped. You followed the money. Did you grow up in Boise City, or did you grow up outside of? Uh, yeah, so like near to Centennial, so like West Boise. Oh, West Boise. Okay, mm-hmm. so when Centennial you worked, yeah. yeah, when you worked yeah, at the diners in downtown Boise, you drove there. I was one of the very few people. I think I was the last generation of people that got their license at fourteen years okay. old because. You know, back in the tractor days, you had to have your farmer kids, you know, uh, drive at a young age. So I was like the last generation to get, no 14-year-old should have a license. No, I agree with that. A lot of speeding tickets. So you were driving at age 14 down Mm -hmm. to your jobs in Boise, down to the different serving. Yep, sure was. Awesome. Um, So you're you're graduating high school Mm -hmm. and Hawaii. Yep. Why? Why Hawaii? Um, I had a rough teenage dumb. Uh, my parents divorced, and I got super into some things I shouldn't have gotten into um, and really became rebellious, hated school, hated my parents. So I just really wanted to get as far away as possible. Um, my grandmother, who I'm very close with, um, she had lived in Hawaii, so I felt that connection there, and some of her happiest years were in Hawaii, and so I was seek- seeking that happiness. Um, but really, I think there's so much power in, especially when you're like born and raised in a place and it's all you know, in going somewhere that no one knows you. Um, so I really got the opportunity to just um, reinvent myself and just kind of get all my crazy juices out, which I did. Where did so was that Oahu or Kauai or Maui? Um, it was U of H Hilo, so it was on the Big Island. Oh, so you went to school? Yeah, I followed my mom's advice, which was oh, a good idea. gotcha. Okay, yeah. so you graduated, you got accepted into yeah. University of Hawaii. Yep. On the Big Island. Yep. And a couple years there. Yep, I did a year and a half. And how was it? The first year was like the best, and then um, I was actually like homeless the third semester. Like oh. I'd moved into a place, got kicked out for something I didn't do. My car broke down, I lost the job. Like all these things happened. So I like lived on the streets uh. of Hawaii. <laughs> but I got straight A's, so yeah. you know, there's that. Oh, wait, I want to hear. You went over that way too fast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear more about this. Okay. I mean, literally homeless? Like, you were like, did you have, like, a tent or a cardboard box? I lived in my broken down car. Lived in your car. That, broken down, so it wouldn't drive. So, here's what happened. Here's the story. So, had the best year, year one in Hawaii. Made a bunch of friends in college and locals that lived there. Um, just, like, lived it up. So, then and I was... Can you define lived it up? Does that mean partying a lot? Or does that mean, like, you just had really good relationships with friends all of it i was partying a lot (laughs) um i mean you're in college your first year like isn't that it's pretty normal anyways so i came back worked during the summer and then um you know had saved up to buy a car 
um, from some friends there, but they hadn't changed the oil before they sold it to me, which is a pretty typical thing to do. I didn't, I, and I was 18. I didn't think to check. Um, so after a month ish of being in my third semester, um, the, the boyfriend of the person I was living with kept leaving the oven on and it was a, a separate house on her mother's property and I got blamed for it and she just flat kicked me out. And so, um, for leaving the oven on, huh? For leaving the oven, she on. was a little neurotic. Okay. Um, so, so I got kicked out, and then as I was leaving that house, the car seized, oh, the God. engine like seized, yeah, through a rod, probably, or well, yeah. like you know, from oil yeah. seizure. Um, and then uh, I got it towed to a mechanic. He's like, "There's nothing I can do." He's like, "But we can." tow it somewhere for you so, so I towed it. it was a total loss total car. loss yep oh gosh um that i worked all summer for Wait, you worked in the summer here in boise yeah and so you shipped it down there no no, 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 no i bought it, it there there, was someone there you knew down there that yeah, had it. yeah. okay gotcha. so now hawaii is incredibly expensive now is it, it is. was it expensive it was then? Expensive yeah now, yeah it's yeah. always been expensive yeah. so then the, I had a job tutoring um, and mentoring, uh, I don't know, she was like 12-year-old. She kept sneaking out, so they sent her to boarding school. So I lost my job. Oh, yeah. I got sick, so I'm like sick in, in this broken-down car. Um, and I feel like one more thing happened. So it was just, and this happened in three days, all of it. Uh, and so, yeah, I was sleeping in my broken-down car. I was going to college. I was showering in the dorms. Um, sometimes I was sleeping on friends' couches. Um, Did you have a cell phone? Because I definitely had a cell phone. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So did your parents know, like, hey. Yeah, my mom was like, girlfriend, let's fly you home. And I was like, I'm getting straight A's. I'm not giving that up. Oh, like how, gotcha. how, what part of the semester is this? This is like four weeks in. Yeah. Okay, so you Ooh. still have a while left. I still have a while left. Yeah. yeah. But I made it through. Hardest time in my life. I learned a lot about humans. I think I was very Pollyanna about human behavior um and ultimately my last month um someone in the theater department was like it's the weirdest story she was like I bought a house it's empty um and I have a spare bedroom that's not furnished that you can sleep in and I was like I'll take it so my mom like shipped me the money and I stayed in her she like saved my life um but she told all these wild, fantastical stories about all these movies she was in with Quentin Tarantino and Spike Lee. And I could never tell if she was a compulsive liar or if these things were true. Um, I, I forget her last name. I tried to look her up because she, like, saved my life. But um, I still this day don't know. And so I was like, you want to know what? While I was there, like, I was in the hardest time of my life. I felt so alone, and she totally, like, extended this olive branch, and I was like, I don't care if you're a compulsive liar or not. I just love you as a human, and you're saving my life. So let's let's talk about all these wild stories and yeah. just enjoy each other's company. So Well, I can imagine growing up, I mean, we both grew up in Boise at the same time. Mm. And Idaho, I mean, most of the roads I drove on were just farms. I yeah. mean, you, you don't get a lot of... Downtown was dirt lots. Right. Yeah, and crazy. so going from that, you know, lifestyle to mm -hmm. middle of Hawaii, yep. I'm sure you learned a lot of experiences as you did. I wouldn't take it back. Yeah. 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 I mean, you had the option to leave. I did. And so did you have straight A's the whole time? I, uh, not semester one. Yeah. Not semester one. <laughs> I was partying too hard. Now, how did you do like as a student? I did great. You, really? Like yeah. in high school as well? Well. Uh, my parents, or not my parents, my teachers were so disappointed in me because I was a straight-A student and their shining star in theater and choir. And then my parents divorced and um, I became the rebel. That's probably a hard, it obviously hard. a hard part. Yeah, it was Was hard. that a surprise? 
To whom? <laughs> to you. That I became a rebel? No, no, oh. no, sorry. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. I mean, it was, but it wasn't, you know. So talk to me about college a little bit. Were you just saying, I'm just going to see what I want to do, or were you interested in the arts? No, or? I was always theater. It was always theater, yep. and they had a program that interested you, or was it just yep. the location that? Yeah, no, the, the, the theater teacher was delightful. Really? Yeah. And then great. you did mention that you ended up graduating from Boise State. Yeah, so I transferred, obviously, after yeah. semester three. I was going like, get me out of yeah. here. So I came to Boise State. And what was unfortunate is that their theater program didn't align at all with U of H. And so I had to start my program oh, you over you lost again. all those credits. Yeah, yeah, so I ended up having to do six years worth of college to get my program. Well, but at least you got those straight A's. At least I got those straight A's. <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, the side note, theater program, I'm sure, is so different now at Boise State. I mean, they've added arts and they sure have but you want to know what it's still the same professors and they're all so fantastic i had the best time in college so what was your thought coming out of college to say this is what i want to do coming out of college did you think entertainment did you think i don't know yeah well so my trajectory is that i graduated and started my theater company immediately following i saw very entrepreneurial. I saw a gap in the community that there was like community theater and then the professional companies, BCT and Idaho Shakespeare Festival, but there wasn't anything that was midline. Community theater being like music theater of Idaho. Yeah. um, Boise Boise Little Theater. I would say Boise Contemporary Theater is professional. Okay. Um, Because they pay actors to come in or pay performers. Is that what it was? I'd say it's two part. I'd say one part is like communal theater is um, low budget, low bar. Like the quality is not generally very high. It's like me. I could go try out and probably make exactly. it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Anyone from the community can participate in community theater. Um, and then professional, yes, they pay, but they generally source outside talent. And that was always really disheartening to me because I saw all of these theater students graduating this awesome program and all of the professors were plugged into the professional community. They were directing and acting. So we would see our professors on stage, but then there was no like middle ground for someone that was like not community, not yet professional, but emerging. And so that's the gap that I filled with my company. It's like the minor leagues. Kind of like the minor leagues. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> Good analogy. Analogy. <laughs> there you go. What was the name of the company? Homegrown Theater. And it's oh, still that's around. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and you thought, let's start Homegrown Theater. Yep. Let's develop a following and let's develop talent. Mm-hmm. And what were your plans for it? Truthfully, I thought I was just going to run it and build it. So I was committed for life. And then life happened. And I decided that I no longer wanted to be a part of the theatrical community at all. Really? It's a big change. It was a huge change when so I did it my whole life. I'm doing math here. So six years total, 2003, you probably graduated 09, 2010. That's correct. Okay, so graduated 2009. Well, and, yep. and, and a backstory to that, the economy was kind of at a low point when mm-hmm. you started that. Right. Yeah, it sure was. Yep. Yeah, because that's when we graduated about the same time. Yeah. Anyway, um, so you were pumped, though, probably to start this theater. I sure was. Really excited. Yeah, I was. How, how would you say your happiness level? Like, let's take the happiness roller coaster train. Through childhood, I mean, what would you say some of the highs were and the lows? I had great childhood. Great so I'd childhood? I'd say like High? 10. And then parents divorced, 2. Okay. And then really rough, like 2 to 5 through my teenage years. Moved to Hawaii, 9. Um, have a great first year. You know, we ride that 8-9 train. And then, you know, 
back down to the yeah. twos yeah. Was like, for semester three. I mean, it, it was still Hawaii. You're still getting straight A's. You still yeah. have those relationships. But, I mean, all those stressing things happening just made it not enjoyable. Anymore. Yeah, I've come to learn I'm a real homebody. And if I don't have my sanctuary and if I don't have my ducks in a row just from, like, a basic standpoint, it's really hard for me to feel comfortable elsewhere. That was a learning lesson for me. A so, homebody doesn't mean necessarily Boise. What it means is a place where a you can sanctuary. just go and hang out. Yep. Good. My bedroom, yes. my space, yep. I mean, like, the backseat of the car didn't count? It did, but <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a lot of privacy, right. you know? <laughs> That's funny. So I'm, I'm curious on the startup of Homegrown Theater. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm curious, did you need a lot of money to start that, or what was the finance, what was the business plan behind all of it, or was it just, let's get a bunch of people together and piece it together as yeah, best you can. I was a crazy person. I self-funded it. Did you really? I sure From did. what? You say self-funded. I mean, did you have like some secret I think or? at the time I was, I think at the time I started Homegrown Theater, I was the marketing coordinator for Opera Idaho. Okay. I wasn't getting paid crazy, but I also didn't work a ton in college. So it was more money that I'd made during college because I was, you know, going to school during day and doing theater at night. Mm -hmm. That was, that was part of the reason why it was so freaking fun. Um, so I was making like more money than I had made. And remember back in the day, living in Boise was extremely affordable. I mean, relatively, right? Compared to extremely yes, affordable. Extremely I affordable. mean, you could rent a room for 300 bucks, right. you know? So, um, yeah, I used all, um, additional income, um, to fund my company. Does that mean pay the actors? Yes, it sure did. So then you had to find a venue yeah, and it was um, the Linen Building was like where we were home based. Oh, gotcha. So David, oh shoot, oh man, what's his name? He's a developer, so you would recognize his name. I loved him Turnbull? so much. No, oh. anyways, he owned the Linen Building. He's okay. also one of the founders of the Modern Hotel, so he's got a long legacy in Boise. Um, the last name will come to me. Anyways, uh, so he loved me, and he believed in the theater company, and he totally let us like set up home base there. So oh, we nice. did. Um, I think. Like all four years that I was there, we did um, Linen Building. So you fronted the money yeah. on your own Ugh. to like get a stage and possibly mm -hmm. pay some rent and utilities yeah. and all the fees that come. This is on the side. You're working as a marketing director. Marketing coordinator. Mar yeah. Sorry, marketing coordinator. And um, that money, pretty much anything spare is going into this. Mm -hmm. And Brandon said it well, fronted Yep. with the intention of a payback. Nope. So you're just like, okay, I'm donating nope. this money. I mean, we fundraised um okay. you know because uh, i didn't make a ton of money um but yeah ultimately like we and and then we would charge money at the shows and that would go back into the company and stuff like that so yeah so it was like the upfront costs were yours now i'm probably more selfish than you i guess <laughs> how did i mean i would have felt maybe a little bitter at some point because it's like it's like all good while you're riding the high but as soon as that kid's a jerk and i'm like by the way i'm doing all this well, I don't want to go too deeply into the story, but I did get burned. Yeah. Um, I, the, the people are still friends of mine in the community. I still see them all the time. So I don't want to go too deeply. But um, something did happen with my family. We had a mental illness uh, with someone who was really close to me. And it happened the night of a, a homegrown theater performance. Um, and we thought this person was, we didn't know what was going on. Because um, when you have an episode, you don't know what it is. So um, at that point, I decided that I really needed to focus on my family and step away. And I received no love, no compassion, and no support. And then worse, they like accused me of some things that were really not true. I see. So it was a really hard falling out uh, for a community that I'd given my whole life to. And as you say, you know, I mean, my time and yeah. money and 
So, yeah, it, I felt pretty burned by that. Um, but also, I think everything happens the way it's supposed to. And I definitely um, don't think I could have built the life that I really wanted in the theatrical world. You know, even the people that make it really big at the top still have a pretty hard life. Like, it's project-based. Um, and you're always working and you're always hustling and not saying I'm not always working and hustling now, but it's on my own terms instead of someone else's. So I do think ultimately what shook out was the best thing for my life and for me, but yeah, it was, it was a hard, it was a hard thing to go through. Did you ever work full time on homegrown? I did not. So it was always marketing coordinator. Coordinator. Yes, got it. <laughs> always marketing coordinator. Yeah. And at the same time you're working at like any free time then. Yeah. I mean, this is like your hangout. This is like your friends then. Like nights and weekends, yep. Right, you're not working. That means like as far as social life, this is it. That probably. was it. Yeah, was yeah. It. But you get used to that doing it in college because, again, you're going to school during the day with these same people and then doing theatrical performances at night with these same people. So you just kind of get used to that. And let's be honest, when you're in your 20s, you can go hard, party hard, and still do great work. And I did. I did. So you get used to that life. What would you say was your best performance you put on? Um, it was written by a local writer. I don't know if you guys remember Josh Gross, who worked for Boise Weekly. He was kind of a controversial character in the community. Um, Veronica Livingstone, I presume. It was, like, satirical and hilarious. I love the cast. I had so much freaking fun with it. So I'd say that was one of the highlights for sure. Oh, what about the roller coaster, the happiness roller coaster during this time? I'd say it was on a good steady eight. I really enjoyed that time. Um, and truthfully, that really enlightened me as to my own entrepreneurial capabilities because I was doing everything. I was doing the marketing. I was doing the directing. I was doing the acting. You know, I was doing the the um, stage management. Like, I did everything. What about um, accounting? I did the accounting. File tax return? <laughs> but anyway, that kind of thing happened. Yeah. Yes. You were handling all of that, the money, the finances, that's Correct. all all you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was super fun. And had you filed like for a business license? Like you had ownership or no? I think we were an LLC. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just I'm curious as the transition if you left, uh, how did that I did ownership? sign over. Well, I closed bank okay. account, signed over everything else. Gotcha. Yeah. No, it wasn't a sale though. It was just like No, it was just like, here you go. I'm done. Yeah, Take so it. I guess from a investment standpoint i didn't make much of a return money financially correct but you learned a lot about yourself so much and maybe confidence too and i had so much fun yeah a lot of fun yeah i had a blast were there any um times during that four years where you thought oh i'm gonna give this up or it's not gonna make it or it was always oh. just a, a labor of love type yeah of thing? i mean like i've i had purpose because i was filling this niche or this gap in the community um, and I love Boise in and out. And so I felt like I, and people really enjoyed the performances. My family would come, people from the community would come. I had great relationships with people at, um, different, um, news outlets. And so we'd constantly get coverage. Um, like we did really well for being a brand new company. It was really, really fun. So you're on the roller coaster. Happiness is eight. It's eight. Like, and then... And then mental stuff happens, right. mental health stuff happens. That definitely took me back down to a good four, three. That was really hard for my family. Um, yeah, and then I think a couple of years later, I met Matt Daly, and here starts the story of Simply Hello. Wait, wait, So I want to hear about, I, know, I don't want to go into <laughs> details about how okay. your That's relationship fine. with homegrown grown dissolved, but you're, that was probably the four. That's when it's getting 
it was yeah. bad. Right? It was really a, hard. Was just because, well, I think that anytime you have a really traumatic thing happen in your life, you hope your community will come around you and support you and offer you love. And that's that was a moment, another learning moment where I was like, wow, the the people attracted to theater are just very self-focused. And it makes sense. Like you're constantly harnessing your own talent, your own career, your own physical appearance. And so like that makes sense. But it really clicked for me then when I was like, oh, geez, we're all just like super self-serving people. Um, and yeah, it was heartbreaking. I needed a lot of love. I needed a lot of support. And I didn't get really any of it. Um, so I left. So yeah. you left. You said you're done. Now, I said bye. you said you kind of severed ties with the theater community altogether. That was your identity since mm-hmm. eight. Mm-hmm. Since eight, you said this is my, this is what I was going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you deal with that? Like personal, like I would feel like, you know, lost. I, hmm. That's a really great question. I think I was so focused on my family and getting us through this traumatic thing that I don't really think I had a lot of time to stop and think about that. I mean, I definitely, and then when you compile on top of that, like feelings of, um, trail maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Then it, it, there's a lot going on and not to mention I did pivot jobs at that time. I worked for a startup here in Boise, um, social good network with Russ Stoddard, who is like my favorite person on the planet. Um, and I, I helped start up Ming Studios. So then I, after I started Homegrown Theater, people were really attracted and saw what I did with that company and were attracted to me to help them start their things. Um, and so it, I was taking those um, talents, those skill sets, and applying them to other people's visions. So the transition kind of happened more gradual and easier. Than, yeah. Okay, I see. At the time I was running Homegrown, I got the job at Social Good Network um, because um, the person, the co-founder, Antonia Chappelle, saw my theater company and was like, I think that you have exactly what we need at this company. Unfortunately, Social Good Network, I think they just revamped it like last month after years and years and years, which I'm just like, yes, you guys got it. It was a technical platform to help nonprofits fundraise. Um, One, way ahead of their time. Two, went after angel investment from, I think, the wrong people in in the city. And there was a lot of battling there. And then three, I think that they didn't go after the, the proper steps in the proper order in terms of like starting a company and scaling a company. So I think it only lasted like a couple of years and then they tanked, which I was just heartbroken over. Um, you know Social Good Network, Brandon? I do not. Huh? Do you know Russ Stoddard, Oliver Russell? That's, that's no, that sounds I, very I familiar. Think guy, familiar. I, I think he was mentioned on the shoe that fits. When we had, um, you know, I'm talking. Anyway, I think insert insert name of, of episode. Yeah, my <laughs> earlier episode, yeah. we had him on here, and he created the shoe that fits. Great guy, and I think Russ started was yeah. one of the guys he mentioned. Yeah, so he wrote the book Rise Up. He's really, really big on social impact with businesses. He's a B, he was one of the first B Corp. Um, businesses. Yeah, he was the one that he said that he trained him. Rust, I think it was this is the guy that trained him how yeah. to do a, a B Corp business. Okay. Oh, he cool. B Corp businesses. He's a spectacular human and definitely someone you should have on the podcast. He's okay. a legend in Boise, in my opinion. <laughs> so I got the pleasure of working for him and I learned so much from him. This marketing as well? No, I was their community outreach coordinator for the nonprofit. So I was in charge of onboarding, maintaining, um, and overseeing all nonprofit relationships. Is that, I was good at. What does that mean? So it's a, it was a technical platform to help nonprofits fundraise, but there was like technical onboarding. So I did that. There was like the communal piece um, because remember 
remember when Amazon launched the like, you can donate five cents mm-hmm. with every purchase. The Amazon Smile. Was yes. that what it was? Yeah. yeah. They this company did that before Amazon launched that um, through affiliate marketing. Um, so yeah, so I really just like helped nonprofits on board and set up their profiles and um, yeah, I was just their community coordinator. Really, I loved it. Oh. I loved it, but they were, yeah, I was too early for them. They had some big products they hadn't released yet. They had a bunch of problems with it and. It was too early to bring on a position like mine. I see. So you were there. It was a good position. You learned from Russ. But they just didn't have – it wasn't ready yet. Yeah, so I got bored. Yeah. Really easy. There wasn't enough for me to do. And you said after that, I, I thought I heard you say another studio. Ming, Ming, studio. Ming studio. So it's an international art studio um, that's located 6 and Myrtle. Um, and, yeah, I helped um, get them up and running as well. Okay, so there's definitely some transition time between homegrown yep. to Simply Eloped. Correct. Okay, so if you don't mind, take me into the genesis of Simply Eloped. I what? love telling the story. You got it. So I started dating a lovely gentleman named Matt Daly, um, my 29th birthday, so I'm not sure what year that was, 2015. And um, uh, he worked for a local um, guy, Marshall, with Define Media Group, which does SEO Um big national company. And, um, so we, uh, dated for a year and, um, over the course of the year, both he and I knew that we had some entrepreneurial itch to us. And so, you know, we talked a lot about like starting separate companies at the time I was working for a company called state and lump. They were a farm to table restaurant yeah. as a um, server. Yeah. I like that place. That was a good place. It was a great place. Yeah, it was really good. I had so much fun. Um, and so I was working there and I uh, started dating Matt. And then um, I decided I was done with restaurants. I'd worked 30 whatever jobs. And so I actually sold my car to start a bunch of small businesses. So I started a company called The Perfect Gift Whoa. Gal. Yes. Whoa. You sold your car. Yeah. Now how will you, you ride your bike? Uh, he had a car, so we shared okay, his car. Gotcha. Okay, I was gonna say. Since the day we started dating, he like unofficially moved into my house, and we shared everything. It was since the day you started dating. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is more of a dating podcast. We don't. <laughs> <do that. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> I was twenty nine. Yeah. You got a lot to learn at that age. Um, we're not going there. Yeah, so, that's true. Um, so my car started the perfect gift gal. It was a personalized shopping company. Had one client, didn't go well. Um, pivoted into a gardening company. I did a bunch of gardening for people in the North End and beyond. And that's how I kind of like catapulted myself into Simply Eloped. Um, and then during the same time, Matt um, had talked to an officiant on a park bench in New York City when he was doing consulting with apartment therapy for SEO. And the officiant was just telling him about um, how hard it was to find clients online. Officiant. The person actually performs your wedding, ceremony. Right? Okay. So he was he was in Central Park randomly. to do it a little bit randomly. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, random okay. conversation. Central Park, New York. New York. New York City. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. So he's having this conversation, and the officiant's sixties, um, really not up to speed with you know the world of the internet. And Matt's like, "Well, I have a lot of experience in this. I could probably help you because that's just the kind of guy Matt is." So he comes back to Boise and does research and scrubs Google and realizes there are a ton of people searching for elopement-related services and no one really offering in New York City specifically. So he goes back to this officiant and he's like, I think I can help you. They get this website up and going. He and a friend here in Boise 
And of course, the officiant ended up thinking that like these guys are stealing from him because it's such a New York thing to do. So it doesn't work out. This website was. It was called Our Big Day Weddings. Oh, okay. Yeah. The idea was that they were going to help connect people with this officiant. Yes, and in New take York. a cut. So they wouldn't and take a cut, right? So then they wouldn't have to be like, oh, I want to go to New York for my, for my wedding, but how do, who do I? How do I find exactly. an officiant? Exactly. Okay, I see. Got it. So I'm dating him the whole time. This is happening. I'm watching two boys try to do a wedding company, which I was skeptical about from the beginning. Yeah. And at one point, um, his friend was moving away to San Francisco, and Matt was like, man, I just believe in this idea so much. And I was like, well. Just so happens. I have wedding coordination experience. I have customer experience, experience, and I think that I could help you. He's like, we've been dating a year. Do we really want to start a business together? So he had no reservations about unofficially moving into my house and so many reservations about starting a business together. And my attitude about it was like, you know what? Let's just try it. And if we hate it, we don't have to continue. Like nothing, nothing lost, nothing gained, you know, nothing gained, nothing. Anyways. You got it. That's so right, yeah. we tried it. We rebranded to Simply Eloped um, at the time that I came on. And two weeks later, we had our first customer. So how did you get that name? That's a good name. Simply Eloped is great. I'm great at naming things. <laughs> okay. I, I have a real talent for it. It's hard to name things. That's it is hard. Really good job. That's I have a Eloped. talent for it, turns out. So, yeah. uh-huh. So two weeks later, we have our first customer, and and then for the first year and a half of the business, it's just me and Matt just doing the thing. So are you both full-time, or were you both part-time on that? We're both full-time. Just from now? From the very beginning. What year, 2016? 2016. 2016, you said, okay, let's do Simply Eloped. He's working for SEO. Some he had already quit Define by that point. Okay, so he quit Define to yep. start working on these other uh, businesses, uh, this idea. Yep. And then it turned into Simply Eloped. Yep. And... Two weeks later, you had your first client. Yep. Who, how do they even know about you? Because we set up a website. So when we launched, we launched New Orleans and New York City, which were the two destinations with the most search traffic around elopements. What was the premise of Simply Elope when you first started? Like, Was it to, I mean, define what your vision was when you very first started? The first inception, I, I really want to do a like time capsule and, and capture our first website because awful um we had packages and it was very similar to what we are now we had packages and we coordinated the whole thing you got your marriage license and we coordinated officiant so the business model was what it was from the beginning we had simply eloped teams vetted people um, that we knew and trusted in the destinations that we are offering um packages with those services and then me as a virtual digital coordinator so a team would consist of officiant photographer florist, hair and makeup. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it would be a set, um, category of people Correct. that would come together and do all of the things traditionally that a, a, a wedding would need. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. And, and you, go ahead. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. And you call it eloped and you, you even have a video about this, I think on your website or somewhere I saw a video where you said elopement isn't exactly, doesn't mean what we think it means. It, it, the name has changed its definition over time. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. So it's really a vacation. It's a wedding away. It's a destination a smaller wedding. smaller wedding. Yes, small destination wedding. That's right. Because typically you go a destination wedding, you're not going to bring hundreds of people. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not often, right? So yeah. really a destination wedding is really how you're defining that. And the huge advantage is that that's a huge pain to try to find yes. all that stuff. And so if we can just go to you, it's done for done. us. Done. Yep. Yeah. And a fun fact, I didn't realize we were from the onset building a marketplace company. 
because I was focused so much on the needs of the client or the couple that I, it came as like an aha later, how difficult it is to be a wedding vendor. Two-sided marketplace. Yeah. Two-sided marketplace. It is hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, to be an efficient, for instance, you have to market yourself. You have to deal with ghosted leads. um, You know, you have to, you do a lot of coordination, payment processing, calendar coordination, all of that. We take like 40% of the work off their plate and we essentially just give them gigs on a silver platter and say, are you available or not? And and then they take it and then do what they're best at. So it really turned out great on both sides. And then, so on the, does the customer select, are there multiple teams in certain destinations or do they select based on reviews or is there any sort of, or is it this is the team that we have available. This is, okay. Yeah. And truthfully, that's a way we're pivoting as a business. We've been in business for six years. We've never let anyone choose their vendors. They can express interest, but we never guarantee we're pivoting. Uh, we've been working for a long time on a vendor availability al- algorithm um, and vendor profiles, and we're just now experimenting with it to get it up in the fall so that people can select their own vendors, which I think will open us up even yeah. more. Okay. I, I I don't want to jump too far ahead because go anywhere you, want. you 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 just started Simply Loped and it's oh, you I and see. Matt. Yeah, me and Matt. And you got your customer. Yeah, I want to know how you got it. We did it. How did well, you get it? Well, it was SEO, customer? right? I mean, SEO is that? Well, she yeah. said they had a website. Matt, we had a website. Matt. Uh, SEO takes time. You can't do that in one well, week. Well, he had experience in digital weeks. marketing, right? Let me answer your question. Yeah. yeah. I have no, the answer. We're fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I have go the ahead. answer. Um, so there's a fun trick that when you open up a new Gmail email, they give you a Google ads credit. Right. So we just opened up a bunch of Gmail accounts and used all of the Google ads credits. <laughs> so okay. It was there paid. So not SEO. Yeah. <laughs> so paid advertising. Paid but not paid because they were all credits. Right, 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 right. 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 PPC so without. Did you have everything set up for that first customer? Or did you have the team and the everything available that they needed? I did. I mean, it wasn't crazy. I think we had two venues and three vendors, you know, in New Orleans, but it was enough. New Orleans and New York. New Orleans and New York, yeah. But the first customer was New Orleans. Yep. And how did you payment processing? Did you accept the credit card over the web or... I did everything manually. So so I got her on the phone and manually typed in our credit card and then like put together terms of agreement, typed it up, sent it over. Yeah. So that's a fun historical aspect. Matt, Matt and I really varied on this. So Matt had great insight. He was like, Matt, um, was opposite of me. He had spent his whole life wanting to be an entrepreneur and he had read all the books, listened to all the podcasts, studied all the people. So he felt like he had the armada of tools to do this. And I think that me not and him having was a great combo because I was constantly like telling him the ways he needed to like slow his role. And he was constantly telling me like the ways we needed to have foresight in the business. And so those two, not to mention the, the fact that our skill sets were totally polar opposite. Um, you know, he was a marketing and SEO and admin. And then I was customer service, customer experience, the product. Um, it was just a great partnership to be honest. Um, So from day one, Matt was like, we need to start automating this stuff as soon as possible. And so he and I's kind of strategy was like, what is taking up the most of Janessa's time and how can we start to automate that ASAP? And so one of the first hire we ever made was actually a senior developer in Bangladesh um, that Matt paid out of pocket for the first little while um, from his own pocket. And, um, And so we just started 
building our technology from like day one. So would you call yourself a SaaS company? What, what I call us is a tech enabled service company because Simply Lope specifically, and we'll talk about the future soon, um, is really always going to be people heavy. Um, I will going to have like an individual customer service, probably, exactly. you know, I always have to, to have to a someone. sales. Yep. Yeah. I always have to have a sales team and I always have to have a customer experience team and I always have to have vendors. Like those are my products. Um, and so even like the auto booking that we have now, um, 33% use it, which is high. Um, most people want to connect with the human on the front end, the back end and the back back end. So that's just a core part of simply eloped and something I'll never be able to get away from. Um, but our technology that we've built does enable us to do thousands of weddings a year as opposed to dozens or hundreds like other companies. So, um, it has been a differentiator for us, but it, it will never be like the core core product. And you and Matt, you built that from scratch or we did you? Did. And Bangladesh guy. And Bangladesh, and Bangladesh guy. guy. That's true. Wow. Yeah. So that, which is impressive because yeah. it's difficult to take and build an infrastructure, yes. you know, software and then have a user experience based off of that. Yes. And all of the ups and downs and the cost. Yeah. And time. I do onboarding for every employee that we hire at Simply Eloped. And one of the things that I like to include in our story is that back when we started the business, really surprisingly, there was no other business that we could point to and say like, they're doing it that way. We want to do it that way or a different way. You know, we essentially had like the Airbnbs and, you know, like the big companies we could study or model, but they're such a different industry. And, you know, the tricky thing is, is the wedding industry is unlike any other industry. You get one chance at it. I can't return a pair of shoes. I can't return a wedding. Um, you know, and then on top of that, 92% 92% female demographic are, are our clientele. Um, and it's it's such a big thing, you know? Like having kids, you might have multiple kids. Having a wedding, you know, the hope is you have one. Um, and so why that matters to the Simply Eloped history is that from our core values to our culture to our, you know, SOPs to our technology, we really had to come at it with a creative brain of like, who are we? What do we want? What do we envision? What are we seeing that our clients and couples want? And then how do we integrate all of that? Um, and so from day one, we really had to, to build things our own way, which is now a little challenging because my analogy is like, I was a server. I can learn my server skill set and take that to any restaurant, really anywhere. You know, go learn their menu, go learn their values, and I'm good to go. At Simply Eloped, we ha- it's a huge learning curve because we have to teach you our technology, our systems, our values, our culture, you know, everything is, is very unique to us. So while it's, again, a differentiator, it also is, has got like, it's a big learning curve for new employees. I think your story is so interesting, Janessa, because it's not uncommon to hear of somebody in the theaters and the arts really struggle at the business side of anything. Mm. And you've had, you know, so many lessons, you know, school of hard knocks in a couple of different ways on the business side to where, you know, you know, it's almost like you're a very good combination of the right brain, left brain. Right. It would be interesting if you could like see percentage, whatever, but I bet you would be a really interesting mix of right brain and left. I have a hilarious story to tell you. So one of my employees lives here. She's moving. We went out last night. I took her out for a drink to say goodbye. And one of the things that she told me is she's like, she used to be Matt's right hand woman. 
And she was like, when Matt told me that you were taking over the business in whole, she was like flabbergasted. She didn't think I could do it because I didn't do any of the administration, legal, finance. I didn't, I, I didn't have my hands in any of that. And so she was like, how the heck is she? And, and she literally was like, you've grown so much in the last six months. And I am like so proud of what you've become. And I think it is because I have all these skill sets from my entire history of doing both. You know, I did all of it for homegrown theater. And I think you're right. I think I, I think I was built for this. Yeah. So, okay, let's go back. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you got your first customer. Yeah. You're growing. You're excited. Yeah. About the potential. Ten, ten of yeah, ten. Yeah, 10 of 10. Happy. 10. And where, where, I mean, how were you guys feeling at that moment? You and Matt were excited. You hire somebody from Bangladesh. Yeah. And, and where did it go? We went to Costa Rica to live remotely. We, Found this house oh, sitting service and digital nomad. digital nomad, and we were living our best lives. Wow! And okay, <laughs> go into yeah, <laughs> go into that. I mean, how long were you there? Uh, we did three month house sitting stints for one person every year until oh, COVID. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and simply Lot just shot off like a rocket. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it did. Because people wanted it. You know, the the great thing about what we did is we saw the demand. And we just met the demand. Yeah. So we didn't have to drum up anything. Um, we were just like doing what people needed us to do. And I made sure from day one that we were really, really listening. Um, what are you wanting? What are you craving? What are you seeing that's missing in this industry? You know? And so we became the forefront of this movement, which I'm trying to like take ownership of it now. Um, personalized, intimate, high quality, um, about the love between two people and not about, you know, the, the show, the showiness of a wedding. Um, and so we really just made that a huge part of our core product. It's interesting because what I saw from your website is you're sort of in a, in some ways rebranding the oh. term elope yeah. because, you know, the connotation that it may have for older generations Correct. or just different people yes. isn't how you like to have it perceived currently. Well, I'll be frank with you. That wasn't our doing. Mm-hmm. The term was already evolving and migrating when we came into the industry. The, the difference is, however, is we just took ownership of it because um, no one else was doing it. There were no elopement companies um, that were looking to do what we have done at the scale that we've done it at. And, and why do you think eloping has become, has evolved to where it's at? I mean, why is it more popular and more in demand now? I think it's a generational thing that, um, you know, well, especially now, but prior, I do think that we've seen this shift with Airbnb um, and, and, and other types of experiences where people don't really care about the showiness of anymore. Um, we're much more mindful with where our money's going with high student loans, you know, high, high mortgages. And so I think that just like the, the essence of our generation putting more stock into experience over, um, you know, material things. And I would say, you know, spending $35,000 on a wedding is a material thing. Um, you know, I think there's just a, a cultural shift. And so it makes sense to me that people would put more stock into an elopement because it is experiential. It's destination. You're going to Rocky Mountain National Park or a beach in Hawaii, you know, or, Stanley, Idaho, and you're having this gorgeous outdoor high quality experience that is about you and your love and not about the expectations of your family. And that makes perfect sense to me. The cost difference, Mm -hmm. is it similar as a traditional wedding or is it a lot less? 
the average cost of a, an elopement with Simply Eloped is $1,500. $1,500. Yeah. Wow. And so... Wait, that's everything? I mean, that's our, our most booked package. So we have like different packages with titles. Our most booked package is called our Sprout Package. It's an efficient one-hour photography. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Show up with your marriage license. <laughs> Have a you know fifteen minute ceremony, an hour of photography, and it's everything you could ever ask for. for I guess day. that makes sense if you're saying I want to get married in Stanley. You don't have to rent a massive venue and put mm-hmm. down a huge amount of money. You yep. just go to an area yep. that can hold a few chairs and, yep. and a you know whatever arch. <laughs> yep. You know some flowers and different things. So if I guess you even that makes need sense. that much. I mean Stanley's gorgeous as is. Right. So do you need an arch? Most people don't get one. Okay, so that makes sense. Brandon, do you need an arch? Sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess whatever Janessa says. Is fine. Um, so then, okay, so sky's the limit and mm-hmm. it's taken off and you're going mm-hmm. and Costa Rica is amazing. Mm-hmm. No big deal. And you start hiring employees. Well, actually our first um, employee, so a year and a half in Matt and I just doing our thing, the two of us, um, we're um, taking a nap on the beach and all of a sudden the ocean takes our phones away both of our phones in Costa Rica. And, um, you know, at that time you couldn't run Instagram from anything other than your phone. And so that was my first hire. I was like, I'm looking for someone to run our social media cause we have no phones. So that person actually ended up staying with Simply Love for like three years, two and a half years. And she went from socials to sales, to customer experience, to running my entire customer experience team. So she stayed with us and really grew with the company for a while. Um, and then, yeah, once we hired our first employee, it was just like dominoes. Um, we just started scaling. Um, so talk to me about the ups and downs. Was there ever a moment that you thought Simply Eloped was in jeopardy or was there, was it always? COVID. We were growing so rapidly, so fast we couldn't keep our feet under us for the first four years of business. And that was 2016. So 2016 till 2020, okay. March 2020, we were um, running so fast that we couldn't keep up. And then COVID. And then COVID. We experienced a 92% drop in bookings and we had thousands of postponements and cancellations. And mind you, we take deposits. We gave all those deposits back. So it's like... All of a sudden, your bank account has to take a huge chunk. Well. So luckily, we were very strategic. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, Bryce Roberts with NDVC. We had taken some capital. We took about 500K, and we tucked it away for a rainy day. And it turns out that rainy day came and saved us. That plus PPP, we were really lucky. We got two rounds PPP. So what was that like? You know what's crazy? Uh, Matt really struggled with it. I did not. The happiness roller coaster was like, it went down a little bit, but not that much. I mean, I've lived on the streets of Hawaii. <laughs> I've been through a really, really dramatic divorce. I've been through mental illness in my family. I think that I am the bulldog. And, you know, you give a dog a bone and that dog's happy. And so we came up with a really strong strategic plan. We shifted to virtual ceremonies. We only had to lay off three employees of, I don't know, a 15, 20-person team. Um And we, I took the opportunity to clean house. We'd been running so fast. Our systems were constantly breaking, um, you know. Technical debt, right? Technical debt. Technical debt, data debt. um, You know, like we just, we were messy. And for weddings, like you really can't be messy. Um, But we just hadn't had the time to catch our breath. 
So this was a great opportunity for us to catch our breath. And we made it super fun. We divided everyone into three teams, um, whether it's their team or not, and said, like, here's your project. This is what you're going to do all summer. You're going to clean up this. You're going to clean up this. You're going to clean up this. And we needed it. We needed it really, really bad. So we really took that opportunity and ran with it. And then after the summer, after the lockdowns, shutdowns, eloping was all you could do. So then we experienced a whole new type of Because venues were still yeah. locked down. So, yeah. and Simply Eloped was in so many amazing positions. Um, one, we were already the leader of the elopement industry. Two, we were in 34 destinations around the U.S. So if a state went into lockdown, we could just transition you to another state. So no matter what, we could make your ceremony happen. Um, and and we, we did it. We did wow. the thing. So um, we experienced a whole new type of growth. So more like let's say March 2020 before then it's things are going sadly it was about the same it was about the same yeah I mean there was definitely like growth but we were already doing so many ceremonies that it was just a different type so the average planning time was like three to nine months during COVID it was like four to six weeks um so people were just making it happen really fast um but we were ready you know, I hadn't fired any of my staff that was like critical to our product. Our vendors were hungry for work. Um, and so we just, we just made it happen. Yeah, I was so, going to say your vendors, you didn't lose any. We didn't. Yeah. No. So can, do you feel comfortable sharing how many weddings are you doing a year? Yeah. So on average between 25 to 2,500 to 3,000. That's, that's, that's a lot. lot. That's a lot of weddings. I know. And I'm not even satisfied with that number. So. So you're looking to continue to grow. Yes. Where is Simply Loped right now? As far as, um, you know, I guess as you compare it to prior times, you're on the precipice of continued growth. You want long sustained. You're looking to, yeah. I mean, it, what do you? It's an interesting question because of the context. So in May of last year, 2021, my partner business and romantic partner went down to Tulum to see if we wanted to move there because craziness was happening in Boise and we kind of felt pushed out from our own community. Um, and he stayed, we got engaged. He, he decided that he was loving it so much he wanted to stay. And then a week later we broke up and he never left Tulum. Tulum is in Mexico. Mexico. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I know. So we, I will, I, I don't pat myself on the back very often, but something I will pat myself and Matt on the back for is that we remained incredibly professional during this really hard transition. We didn't tell our staff for a month or two. Um, and we really just like gave ourselves the space to experience it privately before we experienced it publicly. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I will say like the business did have a little bit of a hard summer, but we got through it really, really well. Because of the breaking up? Uh, I mean, it was, well, there were other hard things. We had like three maternity leaves in the course of two and a half months. Uh, we're not a big staff, so that was big. And then we had some turnover that wasn't expected from people who had been with us for a while. You know, COVID changed things for everybody and the great, res uh, the great resignation. resignation yeah. We experienced a lot of that. So there was just a lot that happened that summer um, from a staff perspective that really strained us. So we're not the dating podcast, but it does seem notable that you get engaged and also get broken up within a few weeks. Yes. Um, is that hard for you? I mean, how do you, amiable with each other? That seems like. 100%. He's a really lovely human. If you ever met him, he's like the nicest guy on the planet. And, you know, six years. Yeah, Dude, six time. years. Like yeah. that's a long time. Um, 
And mind you, like we did everything together. We ran the business together. We traveled together. We lived together. So we were tight at the hip. Um, and, you know, it was hard to like lose your best friend, but that's okay. What were the conversations that you guys had moving forward at the time when you broke up your co-owners? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. There was some foreshadows. So he was already talking about leaving the business. He was super burnout. So again, COVID. 50%? Were you 50% owners? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think 49, 51. Um, he, he really struggled with COVID. I did not. Um, I'm a naturally introverted person. Again, you give a dog a bone. Um, I was proud of us for cleaning up our company. I was proud of us with our strategy at that time. And then we responded, you know, to, to the influx really, really well. So I felt like we crushed it. You know what I mean? And um, there were moments where we were like, are we going to have to fire our entire staff? We didn't have to. Like, that would have been the worst thing to me, and we didn't even come close to that. So I'm like, it was great. We totally got through it. So, But he had a different experience. Um, and so I think that really took a toll on him, and I don't think he ever really recovered from that. I think it really burned him out in the business. So he was already talking before we got engaged about exiting the business. And then um, – and then I could tell that his heart was really in Tulum. And I was like, well, I don't want to move to Tulum. And so I was like, all these pieces added up really fast and then just kind of crumbled. Yeah. And then the conversation was, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get out. Let's try to start that process. Ironically, I too was ready to get out. Oh, so gosh. we were talking to big companies about buying us, taking Simply Loved Over. And I'll never forget this conversation. I don't want to say his name because he's in the community, but an advisor of ours sat us down, sat me down because Matt was in Tulum and just wanted to hear the story. And I told him the story and I was like, and I think I'm really done. And he looked me square in the eyes and he said, Janessa, you are so good at this. And I don't think that you will be proud of yourself if you leave this company based on an emotional decision. He's like, you are built for this. And you had it easy with Simply Eloped. I don't think you realize how hard it is. Like we're, we did, we clocked 6 million last year. Um, so we're having this like phenomenal year. Um, and he's like, and you have so much potential. He's like, don't, don't do it. And so I went home and I thought about it and I was like, you know what? He's right. I need to buckle down. I need to take this over and I need to make it mine. And so that, that conversation was in June of last year. Don't get me wrong. It was a really hard summer. It was a really hard fall. Um, and then ultimately in November, I came to Matt and I said, this is the right thing. Because Matt wanted to like make it work or we were both still working on it. Or he had all these really interesting ideas um, that wouldn't have panned out ultimately. And so in November, I said, this is my offer to you. Because um, we tried to fundraise, to buy him out. Like we tried all these crazy things. Um, and, and ultimately he said, okay. And so we spent the next six months negotiating. He transitioned out of the business January 1, and I've been the head honcho ever since. Gotcha. We wow. hired a COO in December that took over Matt's roles. Best decision ever. This guy is fantastic. So I feel really happy. Wow. That's an exciting... 10 uh, of 10 right 10 now. 10 of 10. <laughs> 10 of 10. <laughs> All right. We're here at the top of the roller coaster. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, I want to go back through some of that. Um, you said you were looking at getting out. Uh, it sounds like it was because of the breakup, probably. Maybe a lot of stress at that time. Not necessarily because, but added to it. Imagine wanting a baby and owning a baby food company. Okay. Oh, and not yes. being able to have a gotcha, baby. I see. So it's like, wedding, I'm pumped. We're engaged. We're going to have a wedding. Were you going to use Simply Eloped? It was TBD. Okay, I wanted okay. to get married in Stanley. So if we had, then yes. Um, so... 
Yeah, it was wicked hard to You're see. Like, I'm around weddings all the time. Exactly. And now that wedding, I see. I see. Talking to customers, really you were like, hard. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> okay, exactly. I hope you have the best wedding. It was really hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was really painful. There was a lot of grief last summer that I went through. Um, but ultimately, um, I do think I was built for this, and I really, really love it, and I'm so happy that I didn't walk away from it. Certainly great advice from to stick guy. with it. Now, it doesn't sound like that guy said selling is bad, a bad idea. It sounds like he's saying this is probably not the right time. So it could be a lot better possibly later. 100%. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you asked, what is the future yes. for Simply Elope? So I'll be quite frank. The last um, six months, quarter one of 2022, was really right-sizing a lot of departments. Um, you know, I think when you have – another piece of advice is don't have two CEOs. It's the worst idea ever. Um, splitting departments really, really worked in the early days. Really, really didn't work in, in the later days. Um because I do think one person needs to be at the helm. Matt and I got to a point where we we're constantly blocking each other on decisions, constantly blocking each other on programs. Um, we had such different visions for the future of the company that it just really started um, like creating a lot of tumultuousness in the business from a strategic standpoint. So that's another piece of advice. I think one CEO, one COO, make one person the ultimate decision maker. Um, otherwise, you're setting yourself up for a lot of pain. So... Um, so quarter one was really right sizing a lot of departments and, and I fired almost every single person on Matt's teams, not because I wanted to, just because like they weren't the right fit for the, the company and the way, the direction I was going. Change is hard. Change is hard. Um, so that was quarter one and quarter two, uh, we're still kind of in that space, but I see it now we've like cleaned up. Departments are running smooth. We're getting momentum. Um, I just hired a full social media person yesterday, which we've never had. I hired a PR person this morning, which we haven't had since COVID. So I think that we are just at the precipice of some really great things for Simply Eloped. Not to mention, uh, a little foreshadow, we've been working on building technology for six years. And don't ask me why, technology does not exist in the wedding industry. Like Simply Eloped is the forefront runner for tech in the wedding industry. And so we are looking right now and building a stealthy second um, company where we are going to enable others to use the technology that so we've built to like plan their own wedding. It. SaaS, it's, a, it's a SaaS oh. at this point, right? I'm You're going to sell your own technology as like a white label. Yeah. Well, here's how I'm structuring it. I'm structuring it as a modular planner with a backend marketplace. So we walk you through all the key decisions you have to make for your large wedding. Um, cause there's a lot of insecurity about that. Everything's so fragmented right now cause there is no technology for it. And then we're pairing you with vendors that share your values, um, that share your budget. And, um, essentially we know without a, a doubt are available on your, on your big day. I feel like we made a mistake, Brandon. I feel like this podcast is too <gasps> early because I think, I mean, you just sharing that right now. It just says like, I just wonder where you're going to be in a few years. Oh yeah. Like, compared to now, like. Like, let's do a follow up. Yeah. There you go. Seriously, I think that uh, that market is enormous. It is. It's a seventy-two billion dollar industry. Yeah, if and you I'm get coming. A small slice. I'm coming. Yeah, that's yeah. So it really isn't uh, white labeling. It's it's more it's the customer can can do it on their own. One hundred percent. I'm okay. I'm gonna kill the wedding planner industry. Ooh, you hear that? I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. Um, yeah. So ambitious uh, goals for the future. What's crazy is I've already proven the model um, yeah. because it is what Simply Eloped is, except for 
we're, we're removing, we're extracting the people portion of the equation. So I've already proven the model that people will use technology for their weddings. 33% auto booking, like that's a higher number than I think most would expect. I've already proven that technology can enable people um, in this day and age to feel comfortable with their wedding. And I've already proven that vendors need a lot of help and don't want to have to do all the work on their own. Um, and so because I've proven some of the harder things and I've already built the technology, the CRM, the, the payment processing, you know, like the dashboard, like I've already done all that stuff. Um, not to mention there aren't tools for basic things like a script builder, like, you know, build, like answer some questions, tell what traditions you want and it, it spits out a script for you, you know, or a ceremony outline structure, like all these basic things don't even exist. And are, so I'm doing it. Are the typical customers that you work with, are they very hands-on on the experience or do they just want basic guidance? Or for what? elopements, generally no. You know, I think people come with way low expectations and I think we blow them out of the water with how easy, streamlined and high quality it is. So not a ton of bridezillas no. traditionally. Shockingly, yeah. Yeah. like we're marrying thousands of people and it really sticks out like a sore thumb when we have someone that's not kind or compassionate to my team. We're like, oh, well, we, we got one and we get like less than 10 a year. Wow. It's crazy. So I have a question about where you want to go with Simply Eloped as far as do you want to work for it, work it the rest of your life, build it up massive, as big as you can get it? Or what, I mean, what's your plans I'm that way? I'm open. I, I, okay, so one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given is listen to the business that will tell you what it needs. And I think that it's my job as a CEO to recognize when I've gotten to my end and that the business has gotten to a place where it needs someone else. So whether that's getting acquired or, you know, selling or someone else taking over and me just keeping a large stake in the company, I don't have that answer yet because I'm not there yet. I'm just, um, I have some big ambitions and I'm going to go after it. In fact, I want to be the first wedding company to marry someone in space. And that's what I'm chasing right now too. Okay, all right. Richard Branson, I'm coming for you. There you go. That's good. I'm yeah. sure they'd welcome that. I think they would. <laughs> Funny. Now, uh, this has been amazing. Really fascinating, Janessa. Thank it's you. been really great to have you on. Thanks. Um, I, I think. So I actually have some follow-up questions. Yes, go. So if you're looking at Janessa coming out of, I don't know, middle of college or coming out of college, and you, Janessa now, wants to talk to Janessa then for an hour, what do you say? What do you? Hmm. I would tell her to chill the F out a little bit. Um, I think I've always been really crazy ambitious. And I think that my ambitiousness got a little jagged sometimes. Um, especially in the theater world, it is pretty competitive. And I think that I was a little cutthroat back then. And I think I could have had a little more kindness and compassion in my life. And I think it came about from just feeling like I had to have like my defenses up at all times. So I think I would tell her, like, you know what? You're on a good path. You're figuring things out. You need a little more grace for yourself and a little more grace for others. Yeah, that's good advice. What would you tell a young, aspiring, theatrical, or even business person coming out and say, this is, that, that say, I want to be just like Janessa. I want to do, I want to build a company. I want to be successful. What would you say? What are the keys that you would give them? I think the first thing is, like, half, they say, like, half the battle is just showing up. 
Um, you know, just begin it, just start it, just see what happens. Um, also I'm a big believer in tiny steps, make a long journey on a daily basis. So I do make sure I do one thing every day that contributes to the growth of my business. And that ends up being, you know, 365 days over the course of a year. Um, and so that really compounds, um, and then in addition, uh, you know, same advice I was given, like, listen to the business that will tell you what it needs. I think if you treat a business like an organism that's outside of yourself, as opposed to, um, you know, your identity or your sense of self, um, you'll just be more in tune with what it wants to become, as opposed to like you being the master controller. And I think that is really important. That's good. That's good. Really good information. Definitely. Um, anything else? Oh, Janessa, it's been really great. Thank oh, you. Oh, you guys are awesome. cool. Thanks really for having great. me. Um, Boiseans unite. That's right. Exactly, <laughs> right? So Janessa's story is really amazing. If you'd like to hear more information about Janessa and Simply Lope, you can visit them on their website at www.simplylope.com. You can also follow Janessa on Twitter at Janessa N. White. And that's on Twitter. Handles really active about multiple things, not just eloping and weddings but also business uh commentary and instruction and discussion so uh, definitely give her a follow on twitter and thanks for listening to the founders podcast be sure to follow the host on twitter search at jord b hansen and at brandon Minot to discuss more also be sure to visit thefounderspod.com to join the conversation access the show notes and discover our fantastic bonus content